Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, we are here. Or Patsy the Published Author. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I'm excited about that. And uh, we will be touching on that a little bit more uh, as we, as we uh, delve deeper into this episode. But uh, I just want everyone to know that uh, we are here in Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave, and we are brought to you as part of the Dorkening Network by Deadly Grounds Coffee. And uh, as you've already heard, and uh, as is generally the case, I am joined by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Countess of Cabernet. I was that sounds weird. I, I Recently, I've been the Countess of Carbs. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, Mistress of Merlot. The Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, Michael Phelps of Wine, and an Honorary Lizzie. Yeah, I got that out of order because I was sleepy. Wow, that that took a lot out of you, didn't it? Yeah, I'm a little sleepy. You're such a trooper. I am a trooper. I trooped. (laughs) I trooped. (laughs) I I trooped so big. (laughs) Yes. So, um... Today, we are hoping to have... You didn't even finish it. Oh, Hi, I'm Ashes Von Nightmare, Nightmare. in wow. case you didn't know. I mean... My co-host I'm... is slacking. I my mean, co-host is sleeping. <laughs> it's been a long couple of weeks. We've had, like, crazy... Cat broke our TV yeah, the other day. Uh, yeah. She never yeah. gets up on the Entertainment Center, and the, she decided she was going to get up on the, the Entertainment Center. The first time she did, she... Broke the TV. I'm guessing what happened was she kind of jumped up there and, like, onto a spot that she thought was clear because it was at the I end mean, where... she's she's not the most dainty of cats. No, like, she climbed up the, uh, the end of the couch and, like, jumped up from the uh, end of the couch onto the, uh, onto the TV or the, the entertainment center. But I don't think she realized that there was like a VCR and a Blu-ray player and a, a, a surge protector dealie there. So when she jumped up, she found all that stuff and she was like trying to hang on and she pulled it all down and that pulled the TV down because it was all still connected and the TV smashed. So our nice 50-inch 4K smart TV is no, no more. more. But... We have amazing friends, and one of them was moving, uh, our good friend Colleen, who uh, does a lot of stuff when it comes to our uh, supporting our show, and especially when we do our raffles and, mm. and trivia contests. She uh, she was like, hey, you know, I'm a fancy millionaire, and I have all these <laughs> extra TVs. I have this uh, 50-inch TV that's just in my uh, my It's just chilling. My just cat's my house. butler's closet, and... Uh, yeah, you can have it because uh, my cat's butler has decided not to watch TV anymore. So, you know, we were able to get that. So it was very, it was very nice of her. And now we have a TV that works and isn't smashed on the ground. So that is a uh, definite plus. But uh, this week, uh, what are we talking about? This week we have probably the most excellent non-heinous episode of Throwdown Thursday ever. I hope it is not a bogus journey. And we can't journey? Even, we can't even use that as a, as a title because we've already used that. 
Ted's bogus journey when we talked about Ted the Ted bellhop. Ted the bellhop. Well, today we're bo- not just talking about Ted. We're, of course, talking about Bill and Ted of Ted excellent and adventures and Roosevelt bogus. And Clinton. J- yes, yes, absolutely. Those precocious scamps. <laughs> Ruxpin and the butcher. Fuck <laughs> yeah, Theodore Ruxpin, yes. Theodore Ruxpin, Esquire. Oh. <laughs> well, no, no. Bill. Bill is the Esquire. Bill Ruxpin, Esquire. <laughs> <That doesn't work. laughs> oh, Teddy Ruxpin was really fucking creepy, by the way. Just a, just an aside. If you remember that, you know what I'm talking about. But some, some people might be a little young for that. But I think I think uh, our, our people are old enough to uh to know who that is who, theodore roosevelt yes theodore rose <laughs> i knew him personally <laughs> i'm made of wax larry what are you made of um wow i i derailed the shit out of it so what we've been doing is you know a lot of these uh shows that we've been doing lately is uh there's been a theme where ashes watches a movie for the first time and then we discuss the characters mm-hmm. uh we don't always discuss the characters, but you know, we watch them. We like Rain we, of Fire. Well, yeah, we discuss down the Periscope. characters. We didn't do an episode on Rain. That's of what Fire. I'm saying. We we don't always. Oh yeah, we don't we don't always discuss it on the show. Oh, but Lord I of thought the Rings. okay, yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings yes. is one and, that and we did recently. The Hobbit. Oh, maybe that's the next episode. Yep. Maybe maybe, um, maybe this weekend we. V for Vendetta, troll, Watchmen. Troll, stroll, stroll down to the Shire. There wow, are trolls this is going to be Shire. a great episode. There are trolls. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we are... Uh, we are. Uh, but we're turning the tables a little bit. Yeah. yeah, switching gears. Because I had never seen either of these films. <gasps> Le Gasp. I know. I, I, was, uh, I was never really into it as a kid. The only thing I remember is that uh, some of the kids in my neighborhood were into it. And... They thought it was funny that I referred to Rufus as Doofus, and like <laughs> that was it. That was the extent. I, I mean, I saw I, the TV show I had show a hamster a named Doofus growing up. Was he named after George Carlin's character? No, he was named because he was stupid. Uh, but yeah, this was just, eh, I mean, I hadn't seen it, and I was like, let's watch him. Especially where the third one comes out this week, so it's well, no, a nice I have been no, 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 no. I have been after you. I said you need to watch Bill and Ted because I plan on watching the third installment of this series, and I would like you to join me on this excellent adventure, bogus journey through this franchise and face the music together. And face the music together. There yes. We go. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'd never really gotten into it. I mean, I'll get into my thoughts and, and feelings on each film as we. But this talk was your first time actually sitting down and watching both films. Yes, and like paying attention to both films. Well, I'd never even turned them on before. Like I hadn't. I was just never interested in watching them. So it's not like oh, it was on in the background, but I never really paid attention. It was just it was never on. So, uh, I did. Uh, I did have some thoughts and feelings on them, but we'll get into that after because we're starting off with our getting into character question this week, which is uh, because of the the first film is all about you know time travel and and whoa the like. Um, what era, like when and where, would you want to go back in time? So, like, if you had to write a history report, 
who would you want to go back in time and meet? Not necessarily and... go back and meet, but like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to do a report on, I don't know, the Kennedy assassination. So you could like set up a picnic lunch on the grassy knoll or, you know, uh, you know, something like that. You'd be able to watch what happened. You can be an active participant. And uh, first of all, let's get a couple of things out of the way. You cannot go back in time and change anything. And there's a very uh, simple reason for this. Say you go back in time and you decide you're going to stop Kennedy from getting shot. So you go back in time and you are successful. You tackle Lee Harvey Oswald, knock the gun out of his hand, and everything is okay. Well, then that means Kennedy was never shot which means there was no reason for you to go back in time, which means you never went back in time, which means Kennedy was still shot. So that's something that you kind of... It's very difficult when you have all these different uh, uh, changes, when you go back in time and change something. Um, I, I would say, you know, you uh, if you look at... Um, what's his name there? Uh, um... Michael J. Fox. That's a that's a yeah, the Back to the Future. That's a pretty smart time travel movie. Although if you're looking for a good time travel movie, the best one is probably Primer, which is free on YouTube. Last I knew, um, that one handles it really well. Does a great job. But uh, then you have a thing like say either Terminator or um, uh, the song Iron Man by Black Sabbath. That's an example of a temporal causality loop, where you going back in time causes the very thing that you went back in time to prevent like he went back in time to stop sarah connor from getting killed and as uh, as a result the terminator's chip was found the crushed terminator was found on the hydraulic press and they were able to create the terminators and skynet and bring about judgment day so that's a temporal causality loop so going back in time and trying to change so going back in time to fix something and you end up causing the very thing you went back in time to stop so yeah um so ashes i see yeah. you are enthralled by my amazing uh i am paying attention so good what <laughs> uh what would be your what would be your your pick uh so there's there's a couple that come to mind right offhand. A couple of people who I would love to either see, just just kind of observe in action. One being a character that we, character slash historical figure, we discussed not too long ago Mary on the show. Mary Poppins, yes, the historical figure, Mary Poppins, based on a true story. Um, no, is Elizabeth Bathory. Countess Elizabeth Bathory. I think if you can if you can be a a, a non obtrusive an unobtrusive observer because if somebody sees you like you're instantly a witch and you'll be like tortured and and killed. Yeah, but maybe I could convince her that cause she was into witchcraft and she was into like the sorcerers. Oh, how's your Hungarian? Very well, thank you. <laughs> Your 15th century. I'm very Hungarian, Hungarian right now. Oh, I know. Thank we you have, very much. We have leftovers in the fridge. Uh, but your Hungary for Turkey. <laughs> I'm, uh, very 
hungry right now. Uh, another one would be, I'm very fascinated by the whole Marie Antoinette thing. And we were actually talking about this the other day. How because people always get the quote They wrong. misquote her. And to kind of be there and get the whole quote in the proper context. And I think that happens with a lot of historical figures. You know, over the years, things just kind of, it's almost like that, that telephone. Uh, game telephone. Well, there's that. And then there's the people that like, well, I'm only going to take the part that I like. Like the people that quote uh, Leviticus to say, see, the Bible's against homosexuality, when in reality it's a uh, mistranslation of the word pedophile. And another one, uh, no one really quite know who Jack the Ripper is. Mm. And I'm so, you know, being on my my true crime spree. That would be an interesting... On. Like being there, that's a good character. We should cover seeing, in October. Seeing like maybe we should do serial killers this October. I mean, we can just do like lots of. But uh, like we could do like Ted Bundy. I love Ted Bundy. No, I, I should say I. I don't. I don't love Ted Bundy. I'm fascinated by his story like a lot of people are because he doesn't give off the serial killer stereotype, which in and of itself, has become a stereotype, but at the time... We also haven't done a Hannibal wasn't. Episode. We have not. Um, but anyways, yeah, being there, seeing exactly who Jack the Ripper is, and exactly his, his mannerisms, and how he went about, you know, luring his prey, and uh, ultimately killing prostitutes. I like the uh, Simpsons version... And they're like, oh, he, look at this body. must have been here for a week. It was 20 minutes ago, you yuts. <laughs> um, for me, it's easy. Um, 1944. Godzilla. No, 1944. I believe it's 1944. Might have been 1945. Uh, White Sands, New Mexico, the testing of the first atomic bomb. You wouldn't want to go to Roswell? I mean, that you picked a bunch. I can pick a bunch. But, like, that's the first thing I thought of. Like, it would be incredible to see that uh, display of power from a safe distance. Um, yeah, Roswell 1947 would be an interesting time to go back to as well. Um, I would be interested to be a passenger on the I believe it's the Carpathia Carpathian the ship that came and rescued all the Titanic people I, was, I thought you were going to say the Titanic no I wouldn't want to be on the Titanic that would be an issue I would want to be on one of the other ships maybe the Californian the one that uh, saw they were having a party thought they were having a party when they were setting off the distress flares and didn't go to help them but uh, I just thought it was very interesting that, like, all these, uh, like, there's a vast conspiracy theory about the Titanic and all these uh, super, super wealthy people were supposed to be on the ship. Like, they all booked passage. And then I think all of them except one, like the one, I forget who it was. I want to say Wentworth, but that might be wrong. Um, 
all of them decided at the last second not to go, and there's like this conspiracy that like it was a damaged ship, and they had to keep this uh, this air of, oh no, it's perfectly fine, everything's fine, because otherwise the uh, it's RMS, the unsinkable, the uh, Royal Mail uh, shipyard or whatever it is was gonna lose all its money, so they sent a damaged ship. Like they already had an issue in the hull, like it had been on fire for three weeks. And that's why the hull was so weak, and that's why it got easily ripped open by the... Um, Do you think maybe they sla- slammed into the iceberg on purpose? No, I don't think they did that on purpose, but where the f- the coal fire had been burning for three weeks uh, and weakening the hull, like there are pictures that show like this weird, almost like a bubble in the hull. Crazy stuff, but that's for another time. But yeah, I would, I would probably want to see that. Um, I mean, there's certain things that, like, there aren't uh, solid photographic or physical evidence. Uh, the, um, of course, the name is going to escape me right now, but the, the famous Bigfoot footage where he's walking through, like, the famous, famous big, like, I'd want to be there when that happened. Um, I mean, the Hindenburg would be one, but that's, you know, there's plenty of... Uh, you know, footage on that, the, you know, the very famous, oh, the humanity newsreel. Oh, the huge manatees. Um, that's one that would be interesting to see. Um, I wouldn't mind being on the, uh, the Alvin, not the Alvin. Yeah, the Alvin with uh, Robert Ballard when he discovered the Titanic. That would be kind of cool. Actually, I want to add one more. So it's really not that f- long ago, but like I wasn't born yet. I remember where I left my keys? <laughs> I don't even know what day it is anymore. <laughs> Who am I really? Um, no, uh, the 1980 Winter Olympics at Lake Placid. If you know me, you know that I am obsessed with the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. Like, it's not I, like we did I, an episode about that. I, yeah, we did. Uh, absolutely obsessed. Miracle is one of my favorite films. I've seen so many different documentaries. I, it's a, it's a national holiday in this house. Um, you know, I just, I'm obsessed. So to be able to be at that game, and that's not the game that they won the gold medal. They had no, to go on and beat, beat Sweden. But that was to beat the Russians, and that was huge. Huge, because they weren't supposed to beat that team. That team was supposed to be unbeatable. Well, they had never lost. And it, and they did. And just to be, you know, in America at that time, it's kind of something that we could use right now, like our, our own little miracle moment right now. But, you know, in, in the 1980s, um, or in 1980, I should say, you know, the state of America, a, a, a economy that was going downhill. There were so many things happening that it just it it brought so much hope. Like these these kids, this group of kids, ultimately because some of them were were college or just out of college, really. Yeah. You know, looking None to of play. Them were pro. None of them were pro. No, uh, just looking to play another bout of hockey before they had to get on with the rest of their lives. And yeah, because most of them weren't pros. Like I think Dave Silk came and played. Uh, I, I think I, if I recall, I think a couple of them did turn Janny pro. Played. 
after, but um, the majority of them, the majority of them didn't even play hockey ever again. Like that was the last time they played hockey. They went on and you know either got further degrees or started businesses or what have you. So yeah, so yeah, I I, I think it would whatnot. be it would just be really cool, you know, because I had this fascination with this time in U.S. history. Just to be there would be really cool. I mean, I watched the replays and stuff, but I mean, again, like I wasn't, I wasn't around in 1980, so like I don't know what it's like to see it firsthand happening in real time. Yeah, no, I I I think to to be there to like be, I mean, we know what it's like to be at a at a Bruins. There's just like a normal Bruins game. How exciting that is, especially when they win. That would be you know, insane to do. Like, that, like yeah. I, I feel like the it would just I, I can't even fathom. Oh, then I'm, I'm gonna the emotion and the electricity that went through that you know the the arena that day. Then I'm gonna add uh, Game Seven Red Sox Yankees 2004 ALCS because to me that was the World Series. Like as soon as they won that game and came back from down 0-3, especially after Game Three losing 19 to eight. Yeah, yeah, it's. They flipped cars at my college. Yeah, well, the cars probably were like that when they got there. <laughs> so that's our thoughts. Um, what are some of yours? What What are some uh, things that you would want to go back in time and see or places that you would want to visit or, you know, events that you would like to witness? Let us know. Shoot us a, an email at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instant Grandmas. I think that's what it's called. Uh, I think that's yeah. what it's short for. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so what we'll do is we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will uh, talk a little more about uh, William and Tedrick. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks, too and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. It's been 10 years, 10 years to plot and plan. And now, Debbie Wilkins is back. A decade after her killing spree on the set of The Bayou Butcher, Debbie Wilkins has returned to the spotlight, and she's getting the attention she craves. But will she bathe in glory or in blood? Debbie isn't the only one who's been plotting and planning, and when worlds collide, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. Does Debbie have what it takes to stay on top? Or will she end up on the cutting room floor? Debbie Rashawn, Stormy Daniels, and Diana Prince lead a cast of badass women in Axe to Grind Part 2, coming soon. Support the Indiegogo campaign by joining the Facebook group, clicking the link, and choosing your perk. Want to be in a scene with Stormy? You can. Want her to kill you? That's up for grabs, too. How about your face in the movie? Or your artwork? Or your own music? All of these perks and more can be yours. Support indie horror. 
Don't make Debbie ask you twice. Now, a motion picture so grand, so magnificent, and so vast, it spans 7,000 years. No way! Yes way! But it starts with Bill. I'm Bill S. Preston! Who was Joan of Arc? And Ted. Noah's wife? We are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. A force from the future. Can we go anywhere we want at any time? You can do anything you want. Is putting history at their fingertips. Let's reach out and touch someone. They're traveling through time. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the iron maiden. Excellent! Execute them. Bogus. How's it going, dude? And they're making a big impression. Historical babes. Now they're home. Everybody get together and remember who your buddy is. To trash. The 20th century. We got a live one here. Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, Napoleon. We're from history. Billy the Kid. Oh my God. Joan of Arc. Sigmund Freud. Tell me about your mother. You a musician? Beethoven. Genghis Khan! Abraham Lincoln. Party on, dudes! Socrates. George Carlin. We're history. If you guys are really us, what number are we thinking of? 69, dudes! <gasps> Bill and Ted's... Excellent! Excellent! Excellent adventure. Party on, dude. And we are back. That, of course, was the trailer for the first uh, William and Tedderson uh, uh, motion picture. That's the word. I was trying to think of the word. I couldn't think of it. Uh, it's definitely a motion picture. It's a talkie. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, it is definitely a talkie. So I had never seen this before. Uh, this movie came out in 1989, so I was eight when it came out. So it's probably a little bit, uh, it was probably something I could have watched. You know, it, I would say it's on par with. But you didn't, no, slacker. I didn't. No, I was too busy watching the Monster Squad, which is a far superior film. So I mean, no offense to uh, Alex Winter or, or uh, Keanu, but uh, no, I watched the Monster Squad over and over and over again. So. Um, yeah, it's definitely something I could have watched. I will say this movie, uh, the first one, I laughed a lot. Like, there were some funny parts. It's weird seeing Keanu as, like, you know, definitely not much of his John Wick character in this one, but certainly a lot of his, uh, uh, I would say, the the dude from uh, Speed. Very, very... Uh, you can very much tell that he is the dude from Speed from this movie, and vice versa. He's the bus, right? He's the bus, yes. He can't slow down. Um, no, I really liked this first one. Um, it was very funny. Uh, it had a lot of heart. Like, these were characters you could definitely, like, root for. Like, they were dumb, but they were good-hearted. Like, they weren't assholes. Like, they didn't accidentally luck themselves into certain things, you know, and, like, that's why um, that's why they got to do what they did. They were specifically chosen 
uh, because it was their destiny. And they had to make sure that they did a good history report so that they could stay together and the band could stay together and create the music that inspired literal millennia. So uh, that's my first uh, first experience, my initial take on the film. What have you got? So getting into it, uh, so you touched base a little bit on the characters and the personalities. So first off, the movies, the Bill and Ted, well, I guess you, trilogy franchise at this point, um, came to be from the two writers. Let me just make sure. Yeah, it began as a stand-up act in which the characters would discuss current events without knowing what they were talking about. It originally included a third character named Bob, but the comedian who played him lost interest after a few performances. So this started as like a stand-up um, improv. That's the word I'm looking for, as an improv act. You know, these guys would kind of riff off of each other. They created these characters and, you know, would, would pretend to talk about world events and just whatever else anybody threw out there, you know, as these characters using these voices. So originally, uh, in a 1991 interview, co-writer Ed Solomon said the characters of Bill and Ted were originally envisioned as 14-year-old skinny guys with low-rider bell-bottoms and heavy metal t-shirts who were despised by the popular kids at school. Casting Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter changed the filmmakers' images of the characters because, quote, once you cast Alex and Keanu, who look pretty like, excuse me, who look like pretty cool guys, that was hard to believe. Yeah, that was one of those weird tropes that you saw all the time in in those types of movies in the '80s, where like the heroes are supposed to be like these lovable losers. And again, bringing it back to the Monster Squad, you could kind of see that where some of the kids were definitely like nerdier and you know had less popular leanings you know the goonies was another uh movie like that you know whenever you had like a, you know a group of teens but very rarely was it two in high school so through rehearsals throughout rehearsals uh alex and keanu worked on developing their bill and ted characters to move them away from being stereotypical comedic slackers and insert sincerity and other more human human elements into them so what they did was you know obviously they have this very like 80s surfer valley girl like speech pattern to them you know and oftentimes that's equated to being stupid, Vapid being yeah, shallow. shallow and, you know, not having much substance. And they, they wanted to, you know, obviously the characters spoke that way. And I honestly think that if the characters didn't have those speech patterns, they wouldn't be as iconic as they, they are now. They wouldn't be as likable either. It, it, it really, yeah, it made the characters more likable and kind of brought a little more dimension to the characters because there was more, kind of like a Transformer, more than meets the eye. I think they were very, um, the word I would describe to use to describe them is wholesome. Yes. Like, they're like, yes. oh, when do we, you know, we have to get a good, we have to get a killer video so Eddie Van Halen will come play with us, you know, but we have to get good. 
Like they recognized that, you know, while they weren't great musicians, they were still trying and they were still practicing every day. You know, they weren't great in school. But, but, that's uh, but they not weren't their stupid, fault. though. They, that's the th- thing. It's not that they it's, didn't try. You know, it's just uh, school isn't everyone's forte. Yeah, they, yeah, they weren't. So, like, who is Joan of Arc? Like, oh, Noah's wife. Like, you know, like it's 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 funny, but <laughs> no, it was funny. I laughed. I thought that was good. Um, but yeah, like, but it gets you. You wouldn't be rooting for these characters if they didn't bring this extra something to their portrayals. Right, if they were just dumb guys who were kind of charming. If they were. If they played the characters the way that the characters were originally written, they both would have been sidekicks to themselves. You know what I mean? Versus being, I mean, I know they're they're two people, but you know, typically you have the main person the that Batman you're rooting for. Yeah, you know, the main person that you're rooting for, and then their lovable sidekick. But in this one, you know, it's they're they're, they're sidekicks, yes, but they both bring equal amounts of of something to the table and there is no other sidekick so you know you need to do something to kind of make them leading man material and this and this comes you know right around the same time uh slightly before but they were still characters that were popular at the time of wayne and garth who would probably be the closest analog to those two but it's Wayne's world. It's not Wayne and Garth's world. It's Wayne's world. He's the main guy. So, like, that just, you know, it kind of expands upon what you were saying. Like, Wayne is the is the guy. Garth is the sidekick. This Wayne isn't like, the girl. The, it, it's not called Bill's Excellent Adventure or Ted's Bogus Bill's Journey. Excellent Adventure and Ted is also there, too. Right. Like, it's Bill and Ted, like both characters equally represented so i think that them putting their own spin on these characters and you know during casting they knew early on that they wanted to cast keanu and i mean and they uh looked at hundreds of people for this role including let's see uh river phoenix um brendan fraser was one that was thrown out uh i think sean Penn, maybe not for Ted, but maybe for for Bill, um, you know, bunch of huge names, and the casting director knew right away that you know Keanu is our person. He has the the right look and the right attitude. Needed to find someone who could play well off of Keanu, and they were still kind of they still had some other people like in the back of their mind. Hemming and Han. But, you know, like, okay, well, if Keanu doesn't work out, maybe we have this guy, maybe we have this guy. You know, we need we need two people who are going to mesh well together. We need chemistry. We need people to believe that these two guys have been best friends since forever. The dawn of time, really. And uh, luckily, you know, Alex Winter showed up and they just kind of, they started chatting on their own. And then they started kind of riffing off of each other. And then by the time uh, it was time for the actual, um, I want to call it an interview. And that's not Audition. it. Audition. Well, yeah, that's they saw a the word. Two of them, like in line, like fucking around at a McDonald's like, together. They, they had already, you know, bonded and it just, it just worked. It just made sense, you know, so they both aced their audition and, and, and that was it. Yeah. And I believe that, I mean, obviously they're doing the third film together, but I believe that they actually stayed friends 
throughout like all of this time. I can believe that because I mean that's Keanu's that Keanu kind of guy, but yeah, I I believe I read somewhere that they've kept in touch and you know would have dinners together and you know when they were both at the same place at the same time, but but yeah, so. Like I know Which is Keanu, kind of a nice story. Keanu was like very worried for the longest time that like his headstone would read, "Here lies Keanu Reeves. He played Ted." Well, and then he then he scored the Matrix franchise. So yeah, but that was a decade later. I know that I was it. He he had to go through Speed, and well, I mean he did uh, My Own Private Idaho. He did Point Break. He did Speed. Speed two. No, he didn't do Speed two. That was he Jason is, Patrick. Is, is, is speed Sandra Bullock was in Speed two. Speed. It's just Speed. Even speeder. I have seen Speed speedier. two. More uh, speed. Too fast. Too furious. No, wait, that's not. <laughs> um. Too bus. Too buzzier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get bussy. <laughs> <Anyways>. <laughs> And it took place on a boat. Um, <laughs> it took place, and there's a picture of a train. Um, but yeah, he was so worried that for the longest time, like that would be his legacy. But you know, he's played some. You know, now you know we look back at his career and we see just these iconic characters. You know, well, I mean, and he oh, managed he also did the the Dracula movie. Oh yeah, Brown Stroke. <gasps> I'm Jonathan Harker. <laughs> but like he was a part of iconic franchises, pretty You're much in totally every. Th- a vampire, so dude. in like the you know it was the late eighties, still the eighties. You know Bill and Ted, and then you know into the nineties Bill and Ted, and then in the two thousands. Actually, when was Matrix? Was Matrix ninety nine? Ninety nine, two thousand. Yeah, so 2000, going in you know late nineties, early two thousands. He was part of the Matrix franchise, and then. In the 2010s, but even he's th- now John Wick. But even then, like even in the early 2000s, even after doing the Matrix, because he still had the whoa, like he still had that, like they would still make fun of him for being that Point Break Ted Logan character, because like he still couldn't break that stereotype. Like I think of the uh, the. Um, Saturday Night Live Celebrity Jeopardy skit, and I forget who was playing him, but he was like, he's like, I shall take uh, balloons for 200. That's not a category. My mistake. I will take balloons for 600. And like, just, it's like, this is the only color that ends in purple. Who is Jaleel White? It's like, what? Is he not the... Gentleman who played Erpel, the humorous fellow who loved cheese. <laughs> like, so they still, Erpel. like, Hollywood still viewed him this way. But, like, he's the only guy. I saw this meme the other day. He is the only guy whose career has, like, it's like, oh, we dug into his career, and it turns out he's super great. We love him. Like, all these people that, like, we grew up watching have had all these scandals and all these things attached to their names. And then you hear all of these stories come out. And he's not one to flaunt it either. Not like, I paid off this person's medical bills. I gave this person a ride home. I take the bus. 
you know, like he, he's not that kind of person. But like you, I, I see all of these threads now, like Reddit threads and different articles about what a nice guy Keanu Tumblr is. Blogs. And all of these these fans, just normal people saying, oh, yeah, I was in New York and we rode the subway together and we didn't say a word at all. We just, you know, sat there in silence. And then he got up at his stop, looked at me and said, nice chatting with you and left. Like, you know, just two people able to enjoy each other's company in silence and solace, you know, like it, it just how and, and not in like a snarky way either. He was just like, thank you for spending time with me. Like, yeah, he's a genuinely you know, like, good who, guy. Who does, who does that? Who's been in the same committed relationship for a long time. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, we don't know too much about it. He's a really private person. Right, and, but that's the thing. You like, know, that's, that's pictures his... of his girlfriend just came out. People are like, that's Keanu's girlfriend? Like, holy crap. Like, we have no idea who she is. Yeah, because he's... Well, and the shocker, people are like, oh, she looks so old. It's like, well, first of all, no. First of all, he's no. in his 50s. But, like, he's dating someone who's of an appropriate age for him. Like, he is breaking all of these Hollywood stereotypes. Yeah, he's not he dating a 19-year-old. He doesn't live above his means. I believe he has a flat in New York City. Like, that's it. He doesn't have, you know, he takes public transportation. He doesn't have all of these flashy cars. He doesn't, you know, show off his wealth. He donates a lot of his money, I was, you know, a, a lot of his uh, earnings to different charities and different, yeah, you know, very, people and everything. He but paid like, for the special effects in The Matrix 2 and 3. Like, he bought all the special effects guys' motorcycles. You know, he's the one who will take a pay cut on a film to make sure that other people are properly compensated. Yeah, that's what he did for the the yeah. Matrix films. Uh, one of the like one of the things hear that one of the things that uh, when the Matrix was just coming out, he did a uh, an interview on a radio station, and somebody called in and was like, like, oh, we have somebody here that says they know you, and he's like, okay, you know, we'll put him on. Let's 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 talk to him and see who it is, and. She was like, oh, yeah, you know, we would go to this place and we would do this. And he sounded, he was like, he remembered who she was. He was like, oh, my God, I remember you. Oh, my God, how are you? Like, please stay on the line after your call is over because I want to talk to you. We have to reconnect. Like, he was so excited to reconnect with this friend that he used to hang out with, you know, back when he was younger. Like, I think they were like, you know, 15, 16 years old together. They would hang out and they were close friends. And he was like so excited. He was like, "Oh my god! Like we have to, we have to hang out and reconnect." So, like, yeah, he was able to kind of ditch this this stereotype that was laid upon him because of the roles that he he took. And I think just his overall, he was he, he's always had like a laid back personality. Like in interviews and stuff, he he seems, you know. Um, just very, very relaxed, and you know, a, a lot of people like to make fun of that. And I think a lot of it was he wasn't the strongest actor, you know. Uh, when it comes, he would play a lot of the characters the same way. Like I was saying with uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, he played Jonathan Harker the same way he played like Keanu, uh, Keanu Reeves. Uh, Neo. Keanu Reeves played the Keanu he Reeves. Played Actually, he Ted. did play himself in. Um, oh God, that this... Aquafina thing. Mm, it wasn't Aquafina. She wasn't in it. It was Ali Wong. Ali Wong. I couldn't remember. Uh, I, I forget the name, show. but it was a Netflix film, 
and he was he, he played a parody of himself and it was just it was hilarious like making fun of how nice he is yeah and like he's like like so nice he's a douchebag like, like it, but, it was, but it was hilarious like he was wearing glasses but like that had no lenses in them and like he was commenting on that it was it was it was funny it was funny and then he did kung fu um, kicked the crap out of some guy but anyways but yeah he's he's been in a lot of stuff and i think you know his reputation now makes us look at him in a different light than we would than we had say 10 years ago like especially before he did john wick which i think was 2015 he had done a lot of like martin you know the last uh not the last samurai ronin and something like that where he played a he played a samurai well i think he was in the last samurai that's um tom cruise oh was that tom cruise yeah but he also did um oh god like neon neon angel maybe i know he did like he a did few of some those, like, uh lower budget like Hollywood indie films, so not independent films, but like the the indie films that go to Sundance like and the Toronto Film Festival or something. The, um, the, yeah, he and he did um, Man of Tai Chi, which was really good, where he played a bad guy. Uh, um, that was good. Um, you know, I think he really embraced once he did the the Matrix stuff. Like he really embraced. A lot of the martial well, arts. He aspects. enjoyed it, and he did a lot of training, like martial arts training for the Matrix, and it's something that he kept up with, which is apparent in John Wick because he amped up his training even more in yeah, preparation for the like John Wick films, even, like more intense, different types of uh, martial arts. Like you know, he did kung fu and drunken boxing and taekwondo. But then he changed it around and did a bunch of stuff. All right, so this is yeah, turning this into is not a, a Keanu This is Reeves not a love episode. letter to, I mean, it, maybe it is a love letter to Keanu Reeves. I mean, Keanu, like Reeves Keanu Reeves, you uh, are amazing. And if you happen to be listening right now, hi. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for all Thank, your thanks, uh, awesome thanks for, stuff. Thanks for being you, uh, seriously. And I'm sure our, our friends on the derailers are going to love this last 15 minutes of our, our episode because they are huge Keanu fans. Um but yeah, getting back to Bill and Bill Ted, and Ted, I love the fact that they knew what the Socratic method was, but they couldn't read the word Socrates and kept calling him Socrates. Socrates. One of the most Beef oven. The thing that I said to you, one of the most underrated, and uh, like <sighs> under the radar jokes, was probably when they're. They have all the guys, and they're trying to round everybody back up. And you have uh, Ken Long as uh, Attila the Hun, and you have uh, Beethoven in the music store, and you have all these guys running around. And you see Freud walking around with the goddamn corn dog, and like that shit was so funny because of like his his philosophy on things. Sometimes it's a cigar, it's just a cigar, and it's funny because. Uh, uh, George Carlin has a whole bit on that. And he's like, oh, you know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Yeah, and sometimes it's a big brown dick. <laughs> and George Carlin obviously playing Doofus in this movie. Or Rufus. Or Rufus, you know. But yeah, it, there was a lot of like really subtle uh, humor and uh, really subtle nods to different things that uh, I thought were 
it was very smart. clever. Yes, yeah. it was very smart, well placed humor. Like uh, Napoleon eating Neapolitan ice cream. Or Napoleon enjoying Waterloo. Waterloo. As soon as I heard him say that and say that that was the name of the water park, I was like, yep, that's a Napoleon joke and something's going to happen. Um, Socrates, like, you know, all we are is dust in the wind. Like, that shit was funny. That was funny. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a really funny movie. Like, there's a lot of really fun stuff that happens in this. Um, Billy the Kid. Um, Joan of Arc leading the aerobics class. Mm-hmm. Like, that was good. Um, yeah, there's a, a lot that I liked about this movie. But you get a really good look at the characters because, you know, we meet them and we see that, okay, so they're not the best students, but they try. And they, they're passionate about something. They're passionate about music. And even though they're not that great at it yet, they will be. That's what Rufus said. Um, you know, they they don't give up. They're relentless. They're... Is that the relentless or unrelentless? Relentless. They're yeah, relentless. They don't they, relent. They Unrelenting. <laughs> um no, may, they're, no, they're, they're, they're non 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 relentless. Oh my god. It's gonna confuse people. <laughs> non, now. non non Well that's what the hell they non 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 heinous. Um or something like that. But you get a good idea in the beginning that they're just they're just struggling. It's like they're struggling to find themselves. They're in high school. They just want to pass their class. They just want to, you know, pretty much do what they can to get through school to graduate. And like who can't relate to that? And they're You know, like I know I can, you know, just trying to make the most of it and get through high school to to get out the other end. And attempt to make something of yourself. And they've got weird home lives. So we have Ted, whose dad is right, is a, the the police officer, and he's has so little faith in his son that he's already booked he's, yeah. him to be in military school in Alaska, separate, which would separate Bill and Ted. Which is why they need to pass their history yes. exam. But his dad doesn't even have faith in him. He's like, "Oh, you, well, you're not going to do it." So yeah, you're not going. You're not going to pass your I history exam. Your, so I, I signed you up. I booked your flight. You leave like you know, two days from now, whatever it was. Uh, meanwhile, Bill's dad is dating, married, married to a girl that they went to high school with. Yeah. Wasn't so wasn't she a senior? Well, we were freshmen. Yeah, that's weird. And her name is Missy, but for some reason she likes Bill to call her mom. Which is which is just fucking weird. And she bangs his dad on Bill's bed in Bill's room. Yeah, that was That's weird. gross. That was weird. Just shut the door on your way out. Ugh. Ooh, yeah, Ugh. gross. Gross and weird. <laughs> Please don't bang my high school classmate on my bed. <laughs> Gross. So, and, and you know, they. Take... And she ends up marrying Ted's dad. Well, we find that out in the second film. Yeah. But they take everything pretty well, you know, meeting Rufus and themselves from the future outside, you know, in a phone booth outside of the Circle K. 
trying to learn about the the Mongols trying to yeah figure things out and they just take care they have this very nonchalant conversation with th- themselves like hey we're you from the future oh excellent which is kind of what sets up the second movie send my love to the princesses so which you- somehow translates to ask the princesses to prom and see that's the other thing like we find out that not only are these guys in high school and they are dating, uh, let's see, they celebrate the 321st birthday of the princesses in the second movie. I'm basically just going to treat this as like one long narrative. But we get to see that um, they are, and I don't know if this was, you know, maybe a product of the times, but they have not consummated their relationship with their lady friends yet still ask them to marry them. I think it's just, you know, it's not something that drives the plot of the film. Like, it's not... Well, it does because the the bad robots try to be evil. It's like, oh, get over here and put out. It's the evil robot us's. Well, it's not evil robot us's. Evil robot them's's, then. Yes. They's's. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's you know again wholesome. You know, it's very Keanu Reeves esque. Uh, I don't know Alex Winter that well, so I don't want to speak for him. I mean, I don't know. But Keanu it doesn't. That you know, well it either, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, these two films don't spend time with trivial stuff like that. It just focuses. I mean, like each film is like ninety minutes, and there's which character in this development. day and age is just bizarre. It's like, wow, that's a really short film. But when you think about it, in the late eighties, early nineties, it's like, oh, I have to sit here for ninety minutes. Well, these types of movies would 90 be ninety minutes. minutes, like even today. Like if you, because there's generally not a lot of plot. There's not a lot of character development. Like they're usually padded. Like, they've had the runtime with something stupid. Like, this, there's no runtime padding. I mean, maybe the, you know, having everybody separated and, like, you know, the 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 fun, like... The mall scene? The mall scene. Like, but that's fun. But like, that's how fun. would these characters react being in our time and, you know... Well, I think, and, and that was, you know, kind of important for them to show. But it's not show. fluff. What would but, be fluff would be, you know, when they're like... Oh, well, we have to remember that as soon as we're done doing this, we need to come back. And, like, they were planning their time travel stuff. They're like, oh, we need to get the keys. Oh, here they are. Like, that was, it was almost like wishing it into existence. It's like, okay, after we do this, we have to make sure we take the keys and put them here so that when we get here right now, the keys that we need are right here. Oh, here they are right here. Like, awesome. But like you said, there was decent character development in both films within those 90 minutes. In the first film, we see them become more confident in themselves. You know, not that they weren't super confident to begin with, but they're definitely more sure of themselves. They're more sure of, you know, the fact that they can accomplish anything and, you know, they learned something, too. Yeah, especially where it's like, okay, like, we... Like, like legit learn something. And, and, you know, um, my friend Jay commented, because I, I, you had posted that you were watching Excellent Adventure, and I said Patsy is 
in for one excellent history lesson. And my buddy Jay was like, actually, uh, I think he said in middle school, one of his teachers showed this film in history class because it does touch base on a lot of historical figures. And some of the history that is involved is accurate. Yeah, it's the uh, the the thing at the very end when Napoleon is talking about his water slide technique, like it's the actual like plan that he had where he was defeated the first time. Yes. Uh, which is why you know when when Bill says oh, I don't think it's going to work and he gets all mad at him, um, like there are there are um, definitely some things that I think are you know, de- obviously taken out of context and like because most of these people that they that they have uh, they're either horrifically violent like Genghis Khan. Or they died terrible deaths, like, say, William Bonney, better known as Billy the Kid. Or even Joan of Arc. Yeah, well, yeah, she was burned to death at 19. Billy the Kid was uh, killed at 21. 21. Um, yeah. Uh, Socrates died a terrible way, too, if I remember correctly. But he was older. Yes, he was older, but he still died terribly. Like, it was not a good... A good way to go. Uh, Freud was, I think, assisted suicide. <laughs> like there was, yeah. Um, but that being, you know, what it is, the fact that they were able to kind of wrangle all these people, I'm impressed. A that they were able to fit everyone into that phone booth. Like that's the first thing. Oh, so apparently Alex Winter was quoted saying that uh, Keanu referred to it as the death box. Yes. Because of everyone having to be cramped. and Well, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people having to be cramped there in there. And it was a legit phone booth, too, that I believe they raffled off. Yeah, we talked some, about that. It was uh, Nintendo Power. I remember reading about it. When the kid won it, they actually had to take the window out of his room and kind of, like, cut around it because it wouldn't fit into their house. Like, it was too wide. That's crazy. So they ended up, like, cutting a hole where the window was, widening it out, putting it in, uh, like, putting it through the window, and, like, the kid had it in his room. I remember reading about it in fucking Nintendo Power. That's really funny. I thought that was kind of cool. Like, for some reason, that stuck with me. I never watched the movie. But that piece but you of information that. <laughs> stuck with me. Um, yeah, one of the things I, I was reading about, I think it was on IMDb, saying that, like, it was going to be a van originally. The time travel machine was going to be a van. Yeah, they, they thought it was to too close to Back to the Future. The between right. Back to the Future. But apparently it's okay to rip off Doctor Who, because I guess at the time Doctor Who wasn't as popular in the United States as it is now. No. I mean, because that's a police call box, the TARDIS time and relative dimensions in space. Um, and, but sadly, unlike the TARDIS, it was not bigger on the inside. No, no, it was not. That's uh, what she said. Um, and then we get into the second film. So a couple of years had passed. Sorry, I'm a little confused by your statement. <laughs> anyway. I'm pulling a Michael Scott. Yes, I understood, but... We've been watching some of The Office recently. 
Yeah, because it's on in between like hockey. He often and... says that's what she said no, in, I, in, in, in I the most bizarre, inopportune times. No, it's usually it makes sense. Not always. No, it, it generally no, does. Not always. Um, Shut up. He had the one that we watched Second the other movie. day. <laughs> that's what he said, you know, because gay, because something Oscar did. Um, yeah, so the second movie, I kind of, I was not, I, I did not have much interest. Like, I, I wanted to watch it. I was like, okay, this is going to be good. I love William Sadler. Uh, I think he plays a, a, a good, he can be funny because he was funny in Shawshank, but he's also a good bad guy. And because, uh, you know, he was a bad guy in uh, uh, Die Hard 2. And you get both in The Grim Reaper. Oh, I don't he's consider a funny the Grim bad Reap- guy. Well, I don't consider the Grim Reaper a bad guy. He's kind of a bad guy. He's providing a vital service. The Grim Reaper. I mean, maybe he's just doing his job. Right. That's all he's it's doing. It's like a shark. A, a shark job. isn't a villain. A shark just r- swims around eating stuff. So, don't bogus. I'm not getting you started. I'm cutting you off. You're done. Bogus Journey takes place a couple of years after excellent journey so bill and ted have graduated high school they're living together they're in happy committed relationships with the princesses and everything is just great just fine until the bad guy shows up now the bad guy is anomalous anomalous yes and he is from the year oh crap i have it in my notes somewhere anomalous um, uh, to, while you're looking that up, backwards is Ed Solomon, who is one of the writers. So, 2691. 2691. That is how far we flash forward into the future to this utopian society uh, that is created because of Bill and Ted's music. Yeah, 700 years. Yes. Um, and fun fact, the Bill and Ted University was founded in 2425. Yes. Not in the year 2525, if man is still alive. Um, but no, the um, the thing that I, I was trying to remember the guy's name, but one of the things I noticed is that him and Death, uh, the two actors, were both characters who played villains in the second installment of iconic action franchises because he was uh, Arjun Rudd in Lethal Weapon 2 and William Sadler obviously was the main bad guy in uh, Die Hard 2. yippee ki Mr. Falcon. <laughs> Work hard or die trying, girl. Um, so watching this movie, I was uh, I was interested to see it. I wanted to watch it. Uh, I liked the first one, so I'm like, all right, let's see what this next one gives us. Let's see what we got. And it's, I lose interest about halfway through because it's just not. It's, it's that different. Good. It's, in my opinion, not as good as it's the first one. I think it's still enjoyable. I like it. I've I've definitely seen the first one more than I've seen the second one. Uh, but I mean. Death really brings something to the film. William Sadler is so good. Like Bill and Ted are the same. They've they've evolved a little bit. I mean, they've matured. I mean, Pam Greer is always great to see in a film. So let's just throw that out there. Um, I, I second that. But you go from 
you know, you can suspend your disbelief and be like, okay, they can time travel in a in a in a phone booth. Fine, like that's that's cool. And what this both of these movies do, they both set up rules and then they follow the rules, which you know I'm a big fan of. You know, because I hate when movies set up rules and then just completely ignore anything that they set up. So, getting to see, you know, less time travel is one thing. But the, the to go from, okay, we have semi-plausible time travel to Martians and robots and... But it, it makes sense. It makes sense in this universe. So the bad guy from the future sends these robots, the evil robot S's, in the telephone box. Tele- is that the right? Phone th- booth? Phone booth. Telephone box? Telephone box. Because I said box. police box earlier. Telephone box. Sends the evil robot uses or evil bo- robot themses, themses. Uh, in the phone booth Rick down to <laughs> down to Earth in what would have been current time. And what's funny is that the phone booth you can see the outline of when the phone booth landed in the first film. It's it's the same location outside of the Circle K, and. These robots are sent to kill Bill and Ted because this evil doer uh, from the future wants to prevent Bill and Ted from entering the Battle of the Bands and prevent them from becoming successful and creating the music that ultimately creates this, you know, be excellent to each other, you know, harmonic copacetic, copacetic, copacetic uh, environment. And, you know, this this grand utopia that has been created. And he's just so sick of everyone living in peace and harmony and excellence and non-heinousness that he just wants to, you know, kill Bill and Ted and prevent all of that from happening. And the robots succeed. And Bill and Ted... And fun fact... um, Bill and Ted's bogus journey was going to be called Bill and Ted Go to Hell. But because Americans, for some reason, are still weird about the word hell, especially in film titles. Until Jason went. Um, that they, they, they changed it to, to bogus journey. And I, I, I can kind of touch on that. We talked about how in the first film, how wholesome and, like, innocent these characters are. I didn't understand why they were in hell. That didn't make any sense no, to me. No, and I, I agree with you on that. It didn't make like, sense that the immediate tormented. place they would go is, is hell. And uh, Ted is being tormented by the uh, sergeant who was the recruiter who was well, supposed to be... Them. They were both. Well, well, they were both being. They had tor- to do infinity push-ups. They were, yeah. <laughs> they were both being tormented by the recruiter who was supposed to, uh, who who Ted was supposed to be sent to, out and in military school in Alaska, saying things like, you know, it's not too late, you can still come here, and forcing them to do push-ups, and then there was this weird mechanical rabbit thing, and. 
Yeah, it was, that rabbit was scary. Grandmas who want kisses. Which was also played by Alex Winter. Yes, yeah, you could tell. In, in a very decent makeup job. But but yeah, they're, they're in their own private hell. And they, they go up to the devil. And they end up like this because they go to the devil. And they're like, hey, Satan, like, what's up, dude? You know, uh, let us go. And... He sends them to their own personal hell. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think that they belonged there. No. But when death brought them to hell, to the under underworld, uh, he said that, you know, they have one chance to best him for a, a chance to return to the land you know, of the living. The land of the living. Yes. And if and they lose, they get stuck in hell forever. So they decide that, well, we really have nothing to lose right now because at least trying our luck is better than being stuck in our own personal hell. And so they do. And I really love <laughs> that uh, Death chooses, you know, going back to the whole wholesome thing, Death wants to play board games. He wants to play Battleship. It probably doesn't get many opportunities. You know, um, best of what was it? Best of three, best of Two seven. Two out of three, <laughs> best of seven. Yeah, they play. Uh, they play Clue. They play Battleship. They play Clue. They play Twister. You Twister. Oh, that was hilarious. Right foot red. <laughs> and like they end up winning each time, and every time he's like, like the first time he wins, he's like best two out of three. And then ultimately, you know, he realizes he can't beat these two. So he gives in. He brings them up to heaven. Or he should say he gets them into heaven and allows them to. Well, that's where they meet Station. Station. Yes, which is uh, two alien weird with very prominent asses. You know what they look like? Have you ever seen the movie Fuzz Bucket? They do look a little bit like Fuzz Bucket. Fuzz Bucket. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. If you've never seen Fuzz Bucket, look it up. It came out in the like Mac and Me era, so yeah, it's it's weird, but it's a it's a Fuzz Bucket. Just yeah, look it up. Um, and ultimately, you know, but it shows that they have this drive. So obviously, we knew that they had, um. This this fire inside of them, this passion to do, you know, to make music and to do what makes them happy in the first film. And we see that even more in the second film because they're legit fighting for their lives, wanting to get back to the princesses who they had just proposed to, wanting to make music, wanting to, you know, make a name for themselves. Yeah, and especially, like, setting right all the wrongs that the robot Themses had started uh, enacting in their name, like breaking up with the girls, like, oh, get over here and, you know, go all the way with, or put out, that's what he says. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, we don't want to do that, and we're out of the band. Okay, bye. Like, wrecking everything and, like, being jerks, and, like, you could tell they were very... Not Bill and Ted. And and Ted said at the beginning, he's like, I got a bad feeling about this. And Bill's like, yeah, but, you know, this wouldn't be the first time, like, right. we from the future come in and... This has happened before. Yeah. 
and it worked out pretty well last time. So yeah, who's to say it's not going to work out well this time? We're already and it one doesn't. for one. Yeah, it just. But it shows their persistence and their drive, and their smarts. They find Station, who are these two little adorable yet weird fuzz bucket looking creatures up in heaven, bring them down to Earth with the help of, of death, and they're able to create the good robot themses to help battle the evil robot themses. Yeah, because they're going in and they're going to undo everything that Bill and Ted did. So that instead of all their music and their philosophy being what the future is based on, it's this guy. And this guy is like super hardcore Nazi racist. Or at least he was in Lethal Weapon 2. Um, so I'm not a fan of his to begin with. And I'm glad he gets Melvined. <laughs> Just saying that. I mean, I think the most egregious thing that they do and it's after they go to hell like hell corrupted them is like beat up a bunch of people in heaven and take their clothes and like take their place like that was kind of weird but you know other than that like it just it didn't have the heart like it was like okay let's capitalize on this and make a sequel like it didn't have the same heart and and you know I don't want to say integrity because there's definitely like this was a new idea and a new new challenge for these guys. Um, I can definitely respect the fact that they didn't lean into the time travel thing again and like, oh, but now we have to go back and get some more historical figures, you know, um, because there was no reason for that to happen. But it just it got a little ridiculous I know. I just I didn't enjoy it as much as the first one. No, and uh, I mean, same. I think the I think the first one is better, but I think the second one has a lot to offer, and I think we get to see more of these characters, and we see the these characters grow a little bit. So not only they're not teenagers anymore, they're you know in their early twenties, and they're trying to establish themselves and trying to. Um, you know, they're, they're in committed relationships. And, and we see at the end of the film that they, so they go back in time. They, they utilize time travel, but we don't get to see it uh, to learn how to play their instruments better. And they come back and they're both, uh, you know, Bill is rocking this very ZZ Top-esque beard. And Ted kind of has this whole like well, they grungy Dave they Navarro went, thing. They went forward and grabbed their future selves because they also had the babies and they each named their baby after the other one. So that's where it gets a little interesting moving forward into the third film. So obviously, like the third film, it's been 30 years since the last Bill and Ted. So 30 years have passed. And um, it's been 84 years. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see exactly where the characters are now. But we know that, I mean, it's called Bill and Ted Face the Music. And the premise of this is they have yet to write the ultimate song, 
that creates this utopian society and they, they they realize that they need to so i'm not quite sure what has happened between now and then not quite sure what happens for them to create this dynamic song that unites the world and you know just brings on this utopian society but you know going into um it's not really a, a spoiler because if you pay attention to the last film and pay attention to uh, the trailers of the new film, there's some inconsistencies. So Instead of Bill, Bill and Ted, it's Chuck and Steve. Well, they have daughters. But her name is Billy. Is it? Ted's name is Billy. The picture I showed you earlier of them like all jacked, Keanu Reeves has a tattoo, and it says, like, Billy on his stomach, but it's B-I-L-L-I-E. So maybe, and maybe it's Theodora or something like that, and she goes by Teddy or something, Um, but... Yeah, because they didn't specify. Well, they didn't, but I actually saw a recent interview with the writers and they said that back then when they were writing it they meant them for you know to be boys because that's just the wave like that they were on however you know they have both gone on to get married and have kids of their own and realize that you know you can have daughters just as much as you can have sons and they thought that for this story continuing everything that it would just it would flow better it would bring new dimension to the story if if bill and ted had had daughters instead of sons i do so hope. so it was you know it, it was kind of ambiguous in the in the end but they legit came out and said no like we meant them to be like this is my son ted this is my son bill bill of um, the son ted ted of the son bill yeah yeah but that's that's nice you know um because you know they didn't realize that they were going to continue the story. Make a, and just, yeah, make another one thirty years down the road. Right, right. But you know when they when they really thought about it and started writing it and stuff, you know they they decided to switch it up a little bit. So if you know it, it could be a little bit of an inconsistency, I'm willing to overlook it, especially no, I mean, if you know the trailers make this film look uh, phenomenal. And I think this is exactly what we need right now. Well, they said it in in an interview like they never specified anything in the film universe itself so like that's fine like they can do whatever they need to do for the plot i'm just hoping we get to see some of the uh crazy shit that they put into the uh into the like the end credit montage with all like the different things they did like playing on mars and you know the hoax of them breaking up tanked the stock market and but then realizing death is in their band and oh yeah death is a bass player like i'm and very we do know that william sadler is reprising his role as death as well william sadler actually played two roles in that movie uh if you look at the end when the uh, tv broadcast uh for the battle of the bands was going to be uh was interrupted by uh denomalous um it uh you know, they show a couple of uh, they show a British couple and their kid, and the uh, the dad in that scene is William Sadler, uh, with his trademark haircut. So I was uh, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. He gets to you know have all this makeup and 
you know, have his face in the movie as well so people can see him as he actually is, which I thought was uh Okay, was nice. but like I know who William Sadler is, right? Why is he kind of attracted in his death? I don't know. I I know you're into like pale emo guys. I mean, I mean like death I do would be the I palest, do most emo. Enjoy a good corpse paint. I mean, death would be the it epitome be the of OG that. corpse paint. So, anyways, I think, I, I think that's a pretty good spot <laughs> to kind of drop off. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, those are our thoughts on Bill and Ted uh, one and two. And uh, when we come back, we will uh, give you some previews. We have a new battle. New battle. And uh, we have some more tidbits for you. So we will be. Ted bits. Ted bits. Ted bits. No, not Ted bits. We will be right back. Greetings, weary adventurer. Do you have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill ye seek? Would ye rather eat a cod piece than another boring candy bar? Then it's time for ye to sink your teeth into mythical meats exotic game sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give ye a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack featuring dragon, chupacabra, and werewolf. More in the mood for something a bit milder? Try the Creatures of the Sky Sample Pack with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix. Can't decide on which one you want? Why not try the exotic flavor sample pack featuring all 10 flavors so you can find your favorite? Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two day shipping. Mythical Meats exotic game snack sticks. So good, they're legendary. On June 27th of this year, 16-year-old Jack Weeks, excited to be out at the beach, ran to the water and dove in. But it was too shallow, and Jack landed awkwardly. He damaged his neck from his C4 through his C6 vertebrae. He was instantly paralyzed and unable to breathe. The quick thinking and fast action of some bystanders which included some doctors, ER personnel, and everyday heroes who happened to be at the beach that day, saved Jack's life. Now he and his family face an uphill battle to pay for uninsured medical costs and the many changes that must be made to their home in order to facilitate Jack as he adjusts to this new chapter in his life. You can help by going to helphopelive.org backslash campaign backslash 17554 to donate, share, and learn more about Jack's situation. A link will also be in the show description. You can also choose to mail a check to Help Hope Live to Radnor Corporate Center, Suite 100, 100 Matsonford Road, Radnor, PA, 19087. Make checks payable to Help Hope Live with In Honor of Jack Weeks on the memo line. Anything you can do to help will be greatly appreciated by Jack and his family, especially his parents, Cammie and Kip. You might recognize Kip from his role in The Strangers and how active he is in the horror community and 
with our horror family. And now he's reaching out to us in the horror community as our horror family and relying on the kindness of strangers to help his family overcome this daunting adversity. Please share Jack's story and donate if you can. Thank you. I have a feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented expedition. Once they made history. I must see to it that you die. Now, they are history. Bill and Ted are dead. Welcome to hell. It's the Grim Reaper, dude. How's it hanging, Death? But they're having one hell of a time. This is not what I expected this place to look like at all. You got totally lied to by our album covers, man. Taking in the sights. Not bad, dude. We totally knew a guy got one of those in his bucket of chicken. Making new friends. Excuse us, dude, but is there any way we can get back? You may challenge me to a contest. J7. You have sunk my battleship. Best two out of three. What? Enjoying the family. No way! Invading the present. I totally possess my dad. Battling <laughs> the future. You metal, dude! Excuse us, but your shoes are untied. Can't believe we just mailed him death! And meeting their maker. Guy? Congratulations on Earth! Not to mention your other great planets. Mars, Jupiter, Uranus. It's the comeback of all time. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's a trip. Best of seven? Damn right! Ah, oh, dude! Left hand red. Ah, yeah! Bill and Ted's bogus journey and we are back thank you for uh, sticking around I hope you enjoyed that uh, that awesome conversation about uh, Keanu Reeves that uh, turned into a Bill and Ted conversation <laughs> yeah and obviously we just spoke about the movies we didn't touch base on the animated series that took place in the early 90s or the I think it was just a one off comic book the video game, the board the, oh, game. Oh, yeah, the video game, board game. Uh, you know, a lot of really cool stuff has stemmed from these two films. Yeah, and a lot of fun characters. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that they would be... Um, Rufus! You know, uh, turned into a lot of different Doofus. versions of themselves. <laughs> yeah, the video games and, and, and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, like there is a lot of stuff, you know. The the video games, like I said, um, just so many different mediums. I remember watching the animated Media. series, and I know that uh, for one of them, there were I think there were two different animated series. Um, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves and George Carlin offered their voice talents for you know their their respectful respected roles um but i don't think they did for the other one i could be mistaken but i think there were two separate series and 
each had different voice talent. Yeah, but it, it it's. But regardless, I mean, I remember watching it. I remember seeing it. I don't really remember what it was. Right, we about. haven't. I, I mean, I watched it, and it it's was you know with been a long time an episodic adventure like with the other uh, the other shows. But yeah, I I just I never watch it. You haven't watched it in twenty yeah, probably plus years. since it aired. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a, it's been a little bit. It's so, been a hot minute. But we do have a new battle to throw down. And a new battle, of course, means... The battle theme! It's not So, of course, we have to, have to throw down the battle of the bands this episode. We want to know whose riffs rock hard enough to knock out the competition and bring home the win. And the sandbox is the legendary Bowery Ballroom located in New York City. So you can choose from the Wild Stallions. Me. Oh, and fun fact, like that air guitar noise was edited in post, like it was put in in post. So there was just like all like quiet, like miming air guitar. Well, that's what air guitar is. Ness. Yeah, but like sometimes you do it and like I can't do air guitar without going like. Well, it's kind of like how during filming the uh, prequel trilogy, every time Obi-Wan had his, or Ewan McGregor had his lightsaber he'd make lightsaber noises right you just you 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 can't not you can't not do it uh so anyways we have the wild stallions from bill and ted versus crucial taunt from wayne's world versus sex babomb from scott pilgrim versus the world versus the lone rangers from airheads i'm a little disappointed and we might have a uh we we may end up having uh, Why a write in. Why are you disappointed? We may end up having a write in. Why? No spinal tap. Y- okay, so <sighs> y- you know, I I thought I thought right, about I it. Get, I get what you're doing. These are characters that are the bands uh, contributed to the film, but weren't the focal point, right? Gotcha. Whereas, like spine, I mean, obviously, Spinal Tap would win. Like it wouldn't be fair. Thank you, Springton. These are there these are all no bands who are uh, trying to prove something. Right, because Wayne and Garth are not in Crucial Time. Well, no, that's Cassandra's band. It's Cassandra. Who's Anthony? Who's Anthony? My drummer. Um, you know, and they're trying to make it big. Yes. You know, Wild Stallions. They're trying to play they're trying to learn how to play they're just trying uh sex babam they play music yes they play battle of the bands but that's not the focal but they're not right right and you you know the lone rangers they're trying to get their yeah they're they're trying to get their music heard yes and go about it in some really interesting ways but like it's not seeing that meme that's going around where it's like it's like, oh, a rare show, and it's the guys from Airheads, and it's like, oh, it's Chris Cornell and Eddie <laughs> Vedder, and 
uh i forget who the other one is but it's like it's like yeah you look at it steve buscemi looked a little bit like chris cornell in the early 90s in in that picture brendan fraser yeah i i yeah, you can better. See any better any better yeah um, so anyways, yeah, that's why I didn't put Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap was a little too uh, established. Well, in that's the why I wanted to make sure film. that we see. Well, and I, d- I was thinking about putting the Ain't Rights from Green Room, but oh. I wanted to keep <laughs> the films in a similar vein, but, like a very so, like it's, Yes, in a more lighthearted way yeah. versus the punk band that fended off Nazis. Yeah. And yeah, white supremacist, you know, I wanted to to be a slightly more even playing field. Yeah, I get it. I get it. That makes makes more sense. Yeah. So again, in case you forgot, it's the Battle of the Bands, the Wild Stallions versus Crucial Taunt versus Sex Babam versus the Lone Rangers. So who do you have? Let us know. This Hit is a up tough the polls one. on Facebook and the Twitters. I usually know like right away who I'm gonna pick. Right? Like it's it's kind of difficult. Yeah, I don't know. This is N- not one isn't really outshining the other. It's not like oh yeah, I'm choosing this one. We should have added the shitty Beatles. The shitty Beatles. <laughs> they any good? They suck. Then it's not just a clever name. Honorable mention to Eddie from uh, Rocky Horror. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, that's the battle for this week. Uh, what else do we we have some uh, we have some good stuff coming up? We have a lot of things in the works. Uh, I have a live show that I'll be doing to help promote some uh, local folks. We'll have uh, Loren Malloy on. We'll have uh, Addison Binnick. We'll have. Uh, Scott and Sebastian from uh, Super Team International will have. Uh, You're gonna say between Throwdown Thursday and our companion episode Shark Bites. There's a lot of stuff. We have a up. lot of stuff coming up. It's gonna be awesome. So definitely stay tuned. We can't tell you too too much right now because we're still kind of we're working out the sure kinks. The, sig- the 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 situations are all. Yes. Copacetic. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but yeah, we're making sure everything is solid before we announce anything. But um, uh, you do want to go over to Source Point Press, and uh, I will include links for not only my book, How Much Do You Tip an Exorcist, but also the sweet-ass shirt that just came out. It's pretty fantastic. Um, that that cover art makes a really nice shirt, and yeah. I'm not just saying that. Like it, it looks really nice, enlarged, and on a shirt. Like The colors really pop. I think people will like this shirt. It's definitely a conversation starter. Um, because, seriously, how much do you tip an exorcist? But there's also, uh, you know, the... I don't get royalties for the shirt, so me pushing the shirt is just, you know, I, I mean, think the it shirt's looks just awesome cool, and it you know promotes Jeanette's work. But um, yeah, I don't get I don't get anything for the shirts. I mean, I bought my own; I didn't even get one. So um, I would say, get the book, get the shirt if you like the art, 
and uh, help help support us and have people be like, oh, what is that? You know, it, it, it'll help. I think uh, our buddy Jimmy Lambs picked one up because he liked the way they looked. Uh, I think I think that's about it. We got anything else coming up, going on? <gasps> I'm going to be on vacation in a couple weeks. Yeah, vacation. Oh, I mean, we'll Day still put out an drinking. episode. Don't worry about that. But yeah, our annual uh, anniversary vacation, which is severely uh, contracted, constricted, contract. Constracted. Oh, now I'm distracted. Constracted uh, and contracted. Yes, it's just all kinds of dilapidated. <laughs> I know that's not even close to the right Discombobulated. word. Discombobulated. Uh, but yeah, that's what, uh, that's what we got coming up. We've got some great shows. We've got some uh, very awesome guests. And, and very pay attention to the Dorkening Network as a whole. They are oh, working on rebranding and reworking the Dorkening and the Dorkening website, including some articles that will be written by yours truly yep. and his truly. My truly. And other people's truly. So stay tuned. Uh, obviously, we'll be promoting the hell out of that when it relaunches, but it's going to be awesome. Some really just super fun stuff coming oh, up. And there's also going to be a new show coming out that I'm going to be doing with my brothers called uh, The Loudest Sports Show. And uh, the world's loudest sports show, I think. I, I have to hammer out the fine details, but we are going to uh, talk sports because there's no sports show on the on the dorkening. And sports are finally back. There's a lot we're going to talk about. And uh, we're going to have a very special segment where my niece, who turned six on Saturday, or our niece, who turned six on Saturday, uh, will be uh, prognosticating some football games. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be fun. And uh, I think with that being said... Be excellent to each other. And we will <gasps> see, see you, you next Thursday. Thursday. Party on! Party on, Wayne. Wrong movie. Oh, party on, Garth. God's a damn. Bye, guys. Live long and prosper. Yeah. I feel this in the wild stallions. Let's rock! When your wives suggested couples therapy, do you think that this is what they had in mind? Definitely. I mean, we're a couple of couples, right? Bill, Ted, enough of the delusions. You didn't time travel, and you didn't go to heaven and hell. Here's a real idea for you. Be role models to your daughters. Get real jobs. Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to unite the world. And I'm tired, dude. Ted, we have a destiny to fulfill. Whoa. Greetings, my excellent friend. We have a problem. Step forward. A song created by Preston Logan, performed tonight, will save reality as we know it. Oh. Dude, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? And take it from ourselves. Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! <laughs> How is that stealing? If we're stealing it from ourselves, dude. <laughs> Our dads are totally in trouble. Yeah! Yeah! You should help them out. Yeah! No way. Uh...
How's it going, Bill and Ted? We're putting together a most extraordinary band. Hey, you want to be in our band? Oh. <laughs> oh, this is so fantastic. We're going to go talk to Death. Is he playing hopscotch by himself? Dude, he's cheating. Hey, Death. Why, for this isn't a wild stallion. Let's rock! Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Doing? Well, you know, we're dead and we're in hell. But how you doing? We're, we're good! good.